Hello, everybody. Welcome back for the week six rosterwatch.com waiver wire podcast. My name is Byron Lambert. I'll be hosting solo today. Thank you so much for joining us uh, right here on Apple Podcasts, the Roster Watch podcast. If you don't already subscribe, please do. And if if you would kindly, please leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. We would certainly appreciate it. And then, of course, follow us over at rosterwatch.com and on Twitter at rosterwatch. Uh, guys, it's a bit of a thin week on the week six waiver wire, but this is creating some opportunities for us. So I wouldn't really call it a bargain basement week. Uh, in this thin week on the waiver wire, uh, where we have we finally have a handful of teams uh, heading into buy, where it's only been two teams per week the last two weeks. So that hadn't been much of an issue. Uh, I think a lot of more a lot more teams are going to be encountering a situation where they need a one week flex play this week and uh, there's some great options here that you hopefully you don't have to go out and spend too much of your free agent budget on and so let's begin with adrian peterson i know a surprising option uh, that's going to be toward the top of the sheet and again guys everything we're talking about on this podcast these are the moves we make in our own leagues and all of this is mapped out on all of the tools for our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com so the guys i'm talking about here today all of them will be ranked uh, cross-positionally on the waiver wire cheat sheet, the week six waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com. And then, of course, uh, you guys can view the snap counts, touches, and targets tool and the touchdown dependency tool, as well as the week six matchup tool over there as well. I'll be referencing those tools uh, throughout the entirety of this podcast. And so speaking of, Adrian Peterson with one of the best matchups in all of fantasy for running backs this week against the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Washington Redskins, are three and a half point favorites and interim head coach bill callahan has explicitly come out and said he wants to recommit to the run in washington this this play may not have much shelf life guys but if you need a one-week play adrian peterson at only 47 percent owned he's available in more than half your leagues uh, we're recommending you know you spend only maybe 10 max 20 percent free agent budget if you absolutely have to win this week on him but he's a guy that's available that you can get that certainly on paper is an enticing uh, play this week you know in that same matchup let's flip the script coming off of by i think has kind of been out of sight out of mind with the young buck in miami preston williams it's josh rosen's favorite receiver i think some people kind of uh might might be a little bit um, I don't know they might, they might be faked out a little bit here by the fact that Devontae Parker is the one who got the touchdown before the bye but let's let's go back let's look at the target share let's look at the snap counts and you'll see that it's indeed the young guy Preston Williams who had the monster preseason and Josh Rosen's old high school buddy only 8% owned uh, with a fantastic matchup coming off the bye at home Dogs at home against the lowly Washington Redskins, which is one of the best matchups in all of fantasy receiver uh, for receivers. And Preston Williams has had a really nice baseline so far. We haven't had the monster yet. It's coming. A few of them are probably coming. So he's available in 92% of leagues and absolutely should be owned moving forward rest of the season. But it's definitely a guy I'm playing in my own lineup uh, this week in order to recommend if you need a wide receiver or a flex play I would certainly recommend uh, that you consider doing the same thing uh, we spoke about it last week I think Alex was probably prescient on this one Jamison Crowder uh, New York Jets wide receiver those guys got the Cowboys coming to town this week with a nice secondary who just shut down those Packers receivers that really turned into an Aaron Jones uh, game this last weekend but Jamison Crowder finally gets Sam Donald back I was astounded how many 
leagues. He was still available in last week. If you go back and look at the target share he had in week one with the sickly uh, Sam Darnold, I mean, no Quincy and Nunwa. It just it feels like in any kind of PPR format, it could be a bright future for Jamison Crowder down the stretch. I'm not sure if this is the week to play him. You may need to get Darnold back in. We may need to fade this matchup against the Cowboys. But certainly, guy, we need to be considering adding on our waiver wires this week. If you want to see what we're recommending in terms of waiver priority or free agent budget uh, <clears throat> bids, uh, if you want to acquire or obtain Jamison Crowder, you can see those recommendations on the Week 6 waiver wire cheat sheet over at rosterwatch.com. A guy and, – and look, the reason I said Alex was prescient is, is Alex said I had him a little bit too high on the sheet last week. And looking back, I think he was right. We could have had him, we could have him for a little cheaper, so we made that adjustment. Alex made that editorial review for quality control and made that adjustment before we published the sheet last week. It's something we talked out uh, right here live on the podcast and uh, he, he was right because Jamison Crowder is still available and you're not quite sure how good he's going to be you know this week and you know we're only talking we're talking much smaller bids this week in a thinner week I think it's kind of out of sight out of mind he can be had and this may be this in actuality is probably the ripe week to add Jamison Crowder on our waiver wire so props to Alex on that one last week uh, for making sure that roster watch nation was uh, making the most prudent uh, waiver wire decisions that we could a guy that i'm having a little trouble figuring out what to do is miko hardman and the kansas city chiefs he's still 54 percent owned but we kind of bumped that up to the 55 percent threshold this year on the sheet we wanted to make sure that we you know we can't put every guy on this on the waiver wire cheat sheet there has to be a cutoff otherwise it wouldn't be a waiver wire cheat sheet it'd be like a redraft list for every week of the season that doesn't make any sense so these are guys that need to be available in basically you know about as many leagues at the very least as they're owned in and so we bumped it up to 55 percent uh ownership this year so that leaves a guy like with miko hardman he's still available in 46 percent of your leagues i think a lot of folks don't really know what to do with him with Tyreek Hill's return imminent. You know, he's been good. You like being attached to Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins starting to look dinged up. But, you know, on it really feels like Miko Hardman is the guy who's going to take the big hit when Tyreek Hill comes back. Uh, you know, we it seemed to be Byron Pringle who slid into the Sammy Watkins role this last week. So, Kind of a lot remains to be seen there, but having been good so far and attached to that Kansas City offense, and once again, a thin week on the waiver wire, a guy who's one of the most owned guys on the sheet this week, Miko Hardman, just think it means it's somebody that we still need to consider if he's available in our league, whether he should be added uh, or not. Um, the other guys at the top of the sheet we should be very interested in. So I came into the podcast uh, noting that this was a thin week on the waiver wire, the week six waiver wire, um, but that it wasn't a bargain basement week because this thin week really represents some opportunity in a few areas that have been tough to tackle so far that this season. And one of them is certainly tied in. We're getting the news that Chargers tied in Hunter Henry is actually closer to a return than maybe most of us thought. Uh, so, guys, if you've had trouble solving your tight end problem, he's a player you're going to have to really look at. He's available in 60% of leagues. Uh, if you need a tight end, that's you're going to have to think long and hard about whether you want to acquire Hunter Henry of the Los Angeles Chargers this week. Chris Herndon finally back from his suspension in the bye week that kind of delayed this thing. You know, serendipitously coming back 
at the same time as Sam Darnold, which you weren't ever going to play Chris Herndon until Darnold was back anyways. You may want to see this one out of the box before you slide him into your lineup, but some of you guys may not have another choice. It only 29% owned still. Uh, Chris Herndon available in 71% of leagues. I was at Jets training camp this summer, and Chris Herndon looks really, really good. Sam Darnold likes him an awful lot. And this offense needs some juice. Will he be a consistent option every week? You know, tight end one? Probably not. But we've only seen there's only a couple of guys so far this season that are. None of most of these tight ends don't fit that description. So I think if you need a tight end, you can roll with Hearn. And if you got to put him in more weeks than not the rest of the season, uh, that could work out. I mean, he's a guy that we definitely are very interested in seeing what happens with him in the next few uh, weeks there in New York. They have the Cowboys coming to town this week. And then the other guy that slid right into that top tight end group, had it not been for Hunter Henry and Chris Herndon still having, you know, such low ownership, the surprise guy would have been Gerald Everett of the Rams towards the top of this sheet. And I never put tight ends in a category above the minimum bid on the waiver wire cheat sheet. But we have three guys this week that have at the tight end position that slide up above the minimum bid. And Gerald Everett was going to be there anyways, which was a little bit surprising to me. And it's a little bit speculative and it may be a little surprising to you guys, but look, we're still not recommending a huge bid. And here's why is we let's go over to the snap counts, touches and targets tool over at rosterwatch.com available for our pro subscribers. And if you just pull up these Los Angeles Rams, you say, okay, in week five, Gerald Everett had 11 targets for 136 yards on an 81% snap count versus a Tyler Higby, who's basically cannibalized Everett's career to this point at only three targets on a 56% snap count. There's a big disparity there, but we don't want to just see it in one week because that could be circumstantial. Let's go back to week four. Gerald Everett, a 57% snap count, eight targets, 44 yards in the touchdown. That was much closer. Higby at 45% snap count and seven targets that day, but still didn't do a whole lot with it. Certainly wasn't the one that found the end zone. And then we go back uh, another week before that, even all the way back to week three, and that was a Gerald Everett 88% snap count. It wasn't huge production, but he seems to be the guy, which is it's very interesting for a couple reasons. We, I've personally been to Rams training camp, not this summer, but the three years prior to that. And Gerald Everett's also a player we scouted at the Senior Bowl. So this is a situation we're very familiar with. Everett was a really good uh, kind of under-the-radar tight end prospect when he, come out, when he came out. And we need to be reminded that when he came in um, – you know, everybody thought he was going to be the Jordan Reed of the Sean McVay offense because McVay had utilized Jordan Reed to his fullest potential back in his uh, days over with the Redskins. And when I was at camp, man, I mean, it's just evident. Gerald Everett, if you get the ball in the guy's hands, that guy is damn, damn good. But the opportunities just haven't been there because there's so many options, uh, pass catching options, and because that tight end situation has been cannibalistic in Los Angeles over the last couple of years. Tyler Higby's a good player. He's a good player, and he deserves time on the field. So that's been a difficult situation. We don't want to get out over our skis here, but in the in the case, look, we know. here's the other thing we know from being, from being at training camp these last three years. We've told you that Cooper Cup was by far Jared Goff's favorite option in the red zone and certainly was his number one you know, receiver on offense outside of that period. But the other thing we've picked up from being at camp is that second to Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley in the red zone, the Rams love going to their tight ends in the red zone. Absolutely love it. So 
on the off chance that that's what we have percolating here is Gerald Everett, a small school guy that it just took a few years to, for this to happen and a year we're tight end is thin. I think we certainly have to consider it. We, we would love to see one more week out of Everett just to kind of make sure. Uh, let's see. But this week we've got the Rams. Let's see. I got the week six up here. looks like the Rams have the 49ers uh, coming to town. So not sure that's going to be boy that 40. Speaking of 49ers, we'll get to defenses in a second. But boy, that 49ers team and defense looks absolutely uh, beastly. So, you know, maybe if you're not sure about Gerald Everett, you just make him the top guy on the lowest tier and you pull back a little bit on that bid. But I certainly think that's a that's somewhere we got to consider going if we need to fix our tight end in fantasy this year. And so, you know, thin week on the waiver wire, but a couple areas I think that we can uh, – an opportunity has presented itself where we can uh, address – important pieces of our team that we might not usually be uh, addressing on the waiver wire tight end this is a good week to try to fix our tight end in fantasy we it's out of the blue we have a rare situation where there's three pretty good options at waiver wire tight end this week in a in a year where tight end's been a tough situation for a lot of folks and the other one uh is well, I've actually got two more for you guys. One of the others is defense. This is a good week to consider. Not only is it a good week for waiver wire defense this week, but I think it's a good week where you there could be a couple of defenses here this this week that you may be able to pick up and hold on to. I mentioned it a second ago, the 49ers. That looks like a beastly team, a beastly defense at all levels, all levels, that's going to get picks and turnovers, and they can they have the right formula with the run game to control the the clock with that defense it's a nasty formula and you might be a little worried that's a team that's going to play from behind so they can't utilize that pass rush then you realize Kyle Shanahan man no matter what that guy's offense is just score a lot of points over 30 points a game for the you know Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers it's impressive so you put all that together and you start seeing these guys like DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa, again, I mean, 49ers camp, another one I've been to two or three years in a row before this summer. DeForest Buckner is the best player basically on the 49ers roster. I think anybody in San Francisco will tell you that. That man is an absolute beast. You think of like a Calais Campbell when you see him. And, then you know, you forget they've added a Solomon Thomas and some of these other players. But you get a Nick Bosa who was damn near worth two first-round draft picks. That's a nasty nasty front Quan Alexander making plays in the middles Richard Sherman I mean he's 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 becoming a legend in the NFL that whole secondary so the way these 49ers are playing and controlling these games and getting out in front and then they can run the ball and they can rush rush the passer and they've got uh, an opportunistic team I, this is a defense we really have to look at not only for this week but I may personally go out of my way to try to land the 49ers defense and see if that's a keeper for the rest of the year. Uh, Green Bay Packers are another one uh, that just looks like they're stringing together good fantasy performance after fantasy performance, and that looks like a, a real deal. They got the Lions coming to town this week. That could be a little bit tricky uh, division matchup. Lions coming off the bye there. Lions have been, uh, defense has been playing pretty darn well as well recently so that's one to watch you got the cowboys heading to new york new york jets pretty big favorites on the road should be a bounce back game for them uh they're about 55 percent owned so they're probably the highest ownership defense on the sheet this week but one we need to consider and then carolina panthers 
have been awesome recently, just basically back to back to back. You worry a little bit about them going to London. I think it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Let me double check that. It sure is. A 9.30 a.m. tea and crumpets, a London game. Oh, boy, I hate that. I'm a Christian McCaffrey. He, he, he's so sick, it might not matter. But I sure do hate that. Maybe he's an inter- international, just world star that goes big on the biggest stages. We'll find out what kind of entertainer he is in London. So <clears throat> Panthers, that looks like a good defensive play there just based on how good they've been recently and the way the Vegas lines are setting up for him. And then if you've got to go a little bit deeper, Broncos – this week at only 30% on you wish they still had a Bradley Chubb but it looks like they came to life uh it looks like that defense that Vic Fangio defense coming to life a little bit they hung a decent week up last week they have the Titans coming to town and then of course the Redskins and the Dolphins and like a bottom barrel matchup in Miami I think if you're just in a super competitive league scrounging bottom those are two defenses that we consider to see how we have all of these defenses ranked and which ones uh, we're recommending you make priority to pick up this week, which defenses that we're making a priority to pick up in our own leagues this week. Come visit us over at rosterwatch.com. Uh, you guys can check out the week six waiver wire cheat sheet with a pro membership. It's cheaper than a fair trade cup of coffee. And then uh, <clears throat> the other area in a week like this where it's pretty thin and we may not all be going out of our ways to make waiver claims this week Sometimes I think this is a good week for us to circle back on our important running back handcuffs on the season. It's a slow week. Those are important guys. It's hard to prioritize them in big weeks on the waiver wire. I think we're seeing some of these guys get a little more integrated in recent weeks as the season's picking up. And look, the attrition of the season begins playing into this thing. So when we're talking about those players, you know, we're talking about the Rashad Pennies, the Edo Smiths, Chase Edmonds in Arizona, David Johnson a tiny bit you know, banged up. Ryquel Armstead, really, as we kind of predicted from right after the NFL draft, pretty quickly locking down <clears throat> the full-time role behind Leonard Fournette. That's becoming, Fournette is a key horse for a lot of us. And Ryquel Armstead, I mean, he's no Leonard Fournette, but you guys have seen, they use him as a three-down back when he comes in behind Fournette. He'd be a decent play if he was getting all the action or most of it if Fournette ever went down I mean, he's a guy we've got to start thinking of if we're really invested in that situation. Of course, Tony Pollard, if you're a Zeke Elliott owner, you know, he's on he's on 78% of waiver wires right now. You gotta think about it. You know, Latavius Murray, he's available at about over half of waiver wires. We've been trying we've been telling the Alvin Kamara owner on the weekly trade cast. I'll be uh, publishing that over at rosterwatch.com. It's the weekly podcast throughout the season where I personally sit down and extensively and comprehensively evaluate and analyze the fantasy football trade market, give you guys all of the buys and all of the principal sells of the week, and we construct some examples of some trades that we should be making. We step through just general strategy along the way. So that'll be uh, that'll be coming out tomorrow. So that's that's one we've told you in the last few weeks has been your opportunity if you're a Camara owner to try to track down Latavius Murray for cheap while while Breeze has been out. Bree, every week Breeze gets closer to returning. Uh, it just becomes a little bit more of a playing with fire situation. I think if you're an Alvin Kamara owner and Latavius Murray is available in half the leagues right now, You'd be really wise to consider that making that pick up. The same with Alexander Madison in Minnesota. I think it was seven touches this last week. He's no Dalvin Cook, but boy, he'd give you eighty percent of that 
if Cook ever went down. He needs to be owned by the Dalvin Cook owner. And there's some people that just think Madison needs to be owned, period. I know Alex rosters him in one of our leagues. I just think he's holding – and he doesn't own Cook. I think he's holding him in the case Cook goes down. Madison is – I don't know. He, I mean, he might not be a league winner, but that will be a big, 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 big horse uh, there. <clears throat> Rex Burkhead starting to – it looks like he's uh, back at limited practice this week, kind of off the radar uh, with the injury this last week. You know, he's not really a true handcuff, but he's one of these backups. If you own Michelle, if you own James White, maybe you consider stashing him. He's a standalone play. Otherwise, if you're a deep competitive league, you could always take a Rex Burkhead uh, who gets the New York Giants on Thursday. And you can just stash him on your bench maybe as like a desperation flex play if you ever need it. When we came into this podcast, kind of the news was breaking that Jalen Samuels, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation and of the Pittsburgh Steelers, has just on, undergone a an arthroscopic procedure on his knee. It looks like he'll be out for about a month. And look, I'm, there's a couple of Steelers I left off this week's waiver wire cheat sheet just because I'm not really interested in any of these guys when we're playing with a third-string quarterback. And while Mason Rudolph is out, the Steelers also have a bye on the horizon. And the next few matchups aren't necessarily – I don't think we're doing uh, jumping jacks about them. Let me just double-check here. Steelers at Chargers. No, no, that's not one we're doing jumping jacks about. So – the other news coming in, uh, so, so of course what that means is Benny Snell, another player we scouted extensively coming out of Kentucky this year, rookie running back, Benny Snell, good three-down guy, a little bit like a Madison, a little bit like a Madison, a little bit like a David Montgomery, not quite as much juice as those guys, but had the big production, had the three-down capability. Uh, he's a guy a lot of truthers really like behind James Conner. So I think this probably mostly means wheels up for James Conner, big volume for James Conner. But Snell all of a sudden, at least in the interim, while Jalen Samuels is out, has to be on the radar for James Conner owners. Uh, he'd be a decent player if he was getting you know a lot of volume. So that's another one to consider. Uh, <clears throat> let's look if there's any other wide receivers maybe that are of value this week that we might want to pick through. Of course, we know Zay Jones was just traded to Oakland late last night who are on the bye. They need help at wide receiver badly. Zay Jones always kind of been, you know, a player that has a lot of skill but just hasn't realized it yet in a deep league. Maybe that's a player we could stash a little bit and see what happens. Of course, if Philip Dorsett is limited, Jacoby Myers, the rookie in New England, who we scouted at the Senior Bowl and, of course, scouted right there at Patriots camp when he was having a bananas monster camp. He could get an opportunity at only 1% owned. And, uh, you know, on the other side of that Zay Jones situation, I know the Robert Foster truth is always coming out, already coming out of the woodwork this morning. Not sure. I'm totally uh, there on that one. I did think Darius Slayton of the New York Giants of Sterling Shepard misses time uh, is a guy to keep an eye on. We told you that Willie Sneed, uh, was an emergency auxiliary option uh, from Ravens camp uh, this summer. We said in a PPR, he, like he'll he'll be a desperation option. If you look at his game log, actually been pretty decent. And then a guy like Demarius Thomas, you know, rearing his head this last week. Not sure what it means. Probably doesn't mean a lot. I mean, he was cut from the Patriots roster this summer. He wasn't good enough to make their team. Uh, and it, I think this was probably an anomaly, but maybe at only 3% owned in a competitive uh, situation, we keep an eye out 
on that one. All right, everybody, that'll do it for the week six waiver wire podcast at rosterwatch.com. We thank each and every one of you for all of your support all season long. And please join me again tomorrow on the week six trade cast, the rosterwatch.com trade cast. And once again, guys, uh, it would mean the world to us if you would just take one or two minutes uh, to go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the Roster Watch Podcast, leave us a five star rating, leave us a glowing review, and follow us on Twitter at RosterWatch if you can. Support us with a pro membership at RosterWatch.com. Until next time, Roster Watch Nation, be good. Yeah.